This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm a guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle. Please get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Follow us, like us, whatever it takes. We would love you to be involved with the show. And uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as I know this industry is capable of. Morning, Doug. Really interesting discussion this morning. I see you're, uh, you've got six inches of notes in front of you and you've been doing your homework. Hey, Gordon, how's it going? All good. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about this. I've had a, a wee bit of a sneak preview uh, on the, the repositioning of, of 702 this morning. And, and this morning we've got uh, with us uh, Tabisili Mbeta, who's the station manager of 702, who's going to talk about the, the repositioning of that station, which I think it's safe to say, and I don't want to kind of get into the branding, is it has really been the pulse of Johannesburg for the last 25 years. So this is a big one. This is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it has been uh, certainly um, part of part of the, the mainstream media for, for that period of time. And again, you know, we, we let's get into it. Let's chat about it. And I'm sure it's going to, you know, only go from strength to strength, uh, not just the repositioning, but the new lineup and, uh, and, and all the other bits and pieces. So welcome, Tabasili, uh, the new station manager of 702. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gordon and Doug. Um, you know, glad to be here. You've, you've uh, had a long, long uh, journey with, uh, uh, with 702. I mean, you know, all the way back to you know, 2016 when you were appointed content editor of Prime Media and before that where you were the, uh, the producer, I think, if I'm not mistaken, on... on uh, the John Robbie show all the, all the way back then. Absolutely. I mean, it's been a, a long journey. Um, in fact, this was the second time around. So this was my return to 702, effectively. Um, and the first time around, actually, I worked with John again um, when he was still on afternoon drive. And um, I mean, that was an experience and a half. Uh, but I left in 2005 for personal reasons and came back. And, um, you know, again, worked with John this time around on the breakfast show. And it was an amazing experience. I mean, just to work with John, the consummate professional he was. Um, I think, you know, just 
you know, those were the times when 702 was really, really at the top of its of, of its game. And I think, you know, part of what we're trying to do even with the relaunch is make sure that um, we're actually also drawing on some of the lessons from that part. So, yes, I've been here a long time. The content editor role was much more of a group role across the different stations. Um, and it was all for about six, seven or eight months or so. Um, and then this station manager gig came around and it's been that since 2016. Wonderful. And just to digress for a moment, I mean, you know, we were talking about John Robbie. I mean, what was his superpower? How, how does a rugby playing poo pump salesman become the voice of karting and such a megastar? What what was magical about him? So I think, the, you know, there were a couple of things, um, Gordon. The one was John was super passionate. Um, whether it was rugby or radio, he's always passionate. So, so that's the first thing. And you can't help but get drawn into that passion and that level of energy. But I think the other thing is John is, was very, is very competitive, very, very competitive. And every day we had to show up, you know, um, in our best and make sure that we do our best on a day-to-day basis. But I also think the other thing was John really, really, really cared, you know, whether it was about the work itself, the people around him, the audience, the station, and he was super, super, super passionate like that. So I think those um, are some of the things that I think for me will always stand out about him. But I think the other thing in terms of how he connected with the audience was that John knew how to make himself vulnerable. Um, you know, yes, you know, presenters on air, personalities generally have ego and so on. That's a universal thing. But I think John also understood how to have simple conversations that ordinary people were having. And he wasn't trying to be clever. He was just trying to understand what South Africa was going through and was trying, and wanted to be a big part of that. And he was driven a lot by this need also to find solutions to what's going, what's going on. I think, yeah, it's obviously just, I mean, you know, I just made some notes there of those attributes that you're talking about. And I guess, you know, one of the things in talking with John years ago as well was the preparation that went into the show, not just by himself, but by the team. You know, because obviously the morning show was early. He was speaking about his his strange hours that he kept, you know, the prep of the day before, the prep of the morning, because, you know, you need to stay on top of stuff that happens overnight, certainly in different time zones. Do you want to maybe just chat a little bit about uh, just some of that professionalism and, and the preparation that went into the show? Absolutely. I mean, we came in every morning um, as the producer. So we'd come in an hour or so after he, so he would be at work um, around about three in the morning. So we'd be here an hour or so after that. And when he arrives, basically, this would be a file with all the information, all the interviews, all the research for all the interviews he's going to be doing. And part of what we do in the morning is going through the newspapers for that and finding additional content that we can use on the show. But he was super particular also around details, like, you know, getting people's names wrong or getting the title wrong and so on. So you had no choice on a daily basis. You had no choice but to apply your mind in that way. And I think also um, John, also the other strength of his was that John knew how to give compliments to the team and he understood the role of the team around him. He understood how, um, you know, the success was not just about him as an individual, but it was around the team. In fact, there was always a joke about if he made a mistake on air and it was the fault of the producer or so, and he'd always say, you know, I'm perfectly capable of making a fool of myself. I don't need help. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's just the person that John was. So his whole thing was, can yeah. we just make sure every day everything is spot on, you know? Yeah. Um, he's also a formulaic person in terms, of the, in terms of his approach to work. So there's always a, a 
call at a certain time at half past five in the afternoon every day. It can't change. It can't be half past four. It must always be half past five. Mm-hmm. Um, so you almost do develop certain habits just around discipline and making sure that you commit to a time every day and you apply yourself in that very strict way. So um, so the prep was a very, very, very big thing. We never went into a show with John without having prepped. But at the same time, even with that level of prep and, and that sense of being formulaic, he also understood how to make magic on air once the microphone was on. So he wouldn't always stick to the script just for the sake of doing so. If there was a call that came and took us a different direction, he knew how to do exactly that. And that's, you know, for me, is a big marker of a, of a, of a really, really gifted personality. He also understood not just the audience and how to engage with the audience, but also the commercial staff, which obviously is a very, very important thing. So his passion was both about the content and engaging with the audience, but at the same time about delivering to our clients and being able to come back and tell the clients, this is what I did for you. And if you are unhappy about this, let's try and improve um, and, and make sure that the client gets the best out of the, the experience. Well, in, in the spirit of, of changing direction, which you mentioned there, the, the we get back to the key point of our discussion this morning, which is the repositioning and the rebranding to some degree of, of, uh, of 702. In 2016, when you moved off the, uh, the John Robbie show specifically into the role as content manager, you said that you were uh, going to make an impact by champion, championing editorial independence and integrity. Uh, because that's been part of the 702 heritage since the early days, so no reinventing the wheel. And if I look at the lineup and I look at the quality, and you mentioned passion uh, with John Robbie, and you're going to talk about your own lineup, but I can see the passion. In fact, I can hear the passion in all the, all the voices. So in many respects, you, you're delivering that kind of uh, edit independence and editorial integrity that you promised in 2016. Talk to us about the repositioning and, and how you got there and, and where you're going. So, I mean, the, the, this, this point about editorial integrity remains an important one for the station. And I, and I think you, it's, it's impossible on this format to, to, to not, um, you know, commit to it in a steadfast way because it, it ultimately is the one way we get to keep that sense of credibility with the audience. So even as we're making decisions about lineups for the repositioning, that's still at the back of our minds. We're always looking for personalities who are authentic, who are will be able to connect with our audience, but at the same time, who have strong opinions, who think, um, you know, as independent uh, people and have their own views. And I think, you know, you're asking the question around in the, the repositioning and, and, and what went into it and, and what and how that all came about. I mean, I think, Gordon, it's also clear, um, it, it became clear that 702 um, in its 40th year, um, that there were some issues that we needed to address. And so, we began with the 702 Listen survey, which we did at the beginning of this year, 2020. And the survey was to ask, basically, our audience to give us an assessment, to give a report card, basically, on the station. And it came back with some interesting insights. And, and I think there were a couple of things that are worth mentioning here. And the one was the audience were basically saying to us that the content is too negative. It's too heavy. They understand that we're in the business of news and current affairs. But they were also saying, um, just as consumers, they were finding the content just too heavy and and, and too negative um, from a consumption point of view. So we needed to make interventions around just balancing the content a little bit more. And they were telling us that, you know, part of that is they were looking for a little bit more inspirational content. So in other words, what they're saying is South Africa is a difficult and a complex country, but you also have to find ways of inspiring us and reminding us why it is that we all still live here and we're still trying to commit to the big national project. 
And I also think the other thing that they were communicating to us was that the station had become, in its tone and across the different shows, would become quite abrasive in the way that we sometimes were interacting with the audience, whether they're calling or they're interacting with us on SMSs. So there was a way in which we had kind of lost that intimate connection with the audience. And I think that is what basically drove the beginning of this process of the repositioning. We also did um, another piece of research with clients, just trying to understand what you know issues the clients were, were which they were dealing with, with in terms of interacting with the station. And the one thing that they were saying to us was that they found that the product wasn't clear in terms of its positioning. We were not clear in terms of what we stood for. It sounded like many different radio stations within um, one radio station. So we literally sat and went back and just did some homework and came up with this positioning that hopefully will address the questions around clarity. So we're clear, we're walking the talk, we're here to represent the audience, basically. We're here to use this big, big platform, um, you know, that we're, the, what you call, that we were actually working on. We're here to use this platform to make a difference, but also continue to hold those in power to account because that's a big part of the heritage of this brand. I mean, you know, back in, you know, 40 years ago when the station started, it was an independent platform. It has remained independent all those years. And part of the reason that strong personalities like John could, could thrive was precisely because it's an independent place. No one tells you here what to say, what not to say on air. You literally come to what you're going to work every day and you say the things you want to say. The things we insist on is you must have the research done, you must have all the prep done, and you must be able to back your argument. Yeah. I think that, that's, been a, that's been a big focus of the repositioning, just providing that sense of clarity both to the audience as well as um, what you call um, our clients as well. Yeah, and one thing we, we've learned, and I'd have to say I was part of that sample, I completed that question there, and the way you've described it, uh, I would suggest is precisely the way I was experiencing the station at that, that, that point in time. So, um, But one thing we've learned... No, no, look, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to out Doug here um, again uh, because he said he <laughs> hasn't been listening as much as he used to. was a massively dedicated fan, but not anymore. But, you know, in truth, I have begun once again to re-engage. Um, it's an incredible line-out, a line-up of insights and, and powerful opinions, but expressed in a positive way. So I totally get the repositioning. Um, what I do also like as well is the sense of purpose once again, that for me, 702 was never always just a, a talk platform. It was a platform where things happened. Um, and I think maybe we've forgotten, you know, some of the early initiatives in that regard. So I like the let's walk the talk part of it again. Um, and, and that sense it's of be going beyond you know, just words. Quite an important point that one, um, because also, I mean, right at the beginning of 702, there was a very big sense of purpose around the station. It was independent. It was coming out of Putazwana um, at a time when it shouldn't have been, basically. So there was always this rebel, but that was um, about purpose, not just for the sake of um, rebelling, as it were. And I think part of the evolution of the brand is about now we can use our heritage and our, you know, huge contact base to say, actually, where there's a need, we can get involved, we can use the platform, we can say, um, I mean, there was a case, for instance, on Bongani's show the other day of this 20-year-old um, young woman who was um, who had her, all her limbs amputated after giving birth at Krisani Paraguana Hospital. And, I mean, there are certainly questions to be asked in terms of what happened, um, you know, in the, in, in the theater there. But I think at the same time, 
what we're saying is there's a way in which this young woman's life has changed fundamentally and we have to use our platform to try and help and assist in that way. There was another case, for instance, just last week of these brides, about 40 brides who had bought dresses at varying times um, from a shop called Eurobride. I think that used to have branches all over Johannesburg and the shop has suddenly disappeared. And the calls came through on the different shows. I mean, the ultimate resolution of this thing is that there's an ongoing investigation and in partnership with um, ENCA just looking at what's happened to the store itself. But on the other hand, we were able to get, um, you know, some advertisers, store clients who were listening to the shows on the set, on the particular day on Azania's show. And they came through and they said, we're going to try and help these brides and try and make sure that their weddings go on uninterrupted and try and make sure that someone's life doesn't get um, what you call inconvenienced in the way that they would have. So I think that sense of purpose comes through. And I think part of what we're looking to do this time around is also not just do the someone's house is broken and we're going to go and try and fix it, but actually there are many other ways of intervening and, and there are many other ways of assisting, but also using the platform because that, that is what it is. We're using the platform and the connections that we have and connecting the one person who's needing something with someone who actually is able to assist. I think it's, you know, and I mean, it's great, the power of radio and, and you know, you spoke about originally a rebel, but it's a rebel, you know, with with a cause and, and purpose. And I mean, both Gordon and I have spoken at length on, on our particular podcast around, you know, companies that do good and, and really do good for the right reasons. So, you know, I look forward to the next installment of 702 into the future. So, basically, just talking a little bit of an, and, and part of the, the, the out, outflow of, of um, the research that you've done, I've read that people are talking about and you're saying more listener experiences. Do you want to maybe elaborate a little bit on what, what you guys have planned, if you're allowed to say anything, um, in terms of, of interaction with listeners going forward? You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. So, I mean, the you know, the, the, the obvious things that we have done, obviously, is introduce a lot of new features. Um, and these features were deliberately designed around um, answering those questions around content balance and so on. So we've created, um, a, you know, for instance, a feature on Azania's show called The Upside of Failure, which is we get prominent South Africans to come and talk to us about a big moment in their lives where maybe things didn't go well, but how they bounce back and use that moment um, to almost prod themselves into the next phase of their lives. Um, we've got a feature, for instance, on Bongani on a Friday where we try and look at someone who needs help and we try and connect them with an organization that can find them help. Um, there's another one also, we've started a whiz quiz with um, kids in the car around quarter to seven, which we never used to have before. It's now a daily thing. So, and again, it's about providing that sense of light and shade. Again, you still have the big interview after seven where Bongani is asking tough interviews. So we're not letting go of that. But it's literally just texturing a little bit more, which is something that the audience is talking about. But also, if I think about um, what we're offering on the weekends, for instance, the weekend offering is quite an interesting one. It's very different to what we do during the week. We play music. And ultimately, what that allows us to do in terms of the brand itself is communicate exactly that, just how you know vast and 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 and, and textured this brand is. So perhaps Monday to Friday, the news and current affairs and all the other things, but at the same time on weekends we play music, which allows us to tap into a slightly different kind of audience, which means we can start attracting a slightly different kind of audience um, as well. So I think the work is really about constantly, and I think this is the other big lesson just around the talk from it. 
you know, unlike in music where sometimes things, you know, turn around quite quickly on our format, things take time. The change takes time to actually start taking effect on air. So we're introducing these features now. We'll actually only start seeing the difference perhaps in another year, 18 months or so, even longer. Um, because it takes quite a while for, for, for things to start you know, um, making sense sometimes to the listener. But the work also has been around how do you get the presenters to not shout at people, for instance, to just have ordinary conversations where the listener doesn't feel like, um, you know, um, this is like a, a university lecture, but they're just having a conversation with another human being. And I think that's something that um, Clement, I think, brings with, you know, such a sense of freshness and a sense of, exuberant youth and so on and i think that's that's just the thing that we're 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 trying to communicate to the market just the sense of a little bit more texture and also you know one of the the questions we get asked is that the 702 listener is perceived to be a business person a serious person who's an entrepreneur and so on and part of what we're trying to communicate is that very person has many other parts to them they're not just the entrepreneur or the business person they're also interested in other things they're interested in music they're interested in the arts they have family, they're trying to make decisions about what schools their children are going to, they're trying to make decisions about health and so on. So they're looking for all of that information. It's not just what boxing people into, if you're a top uh, listener, therefore you're only a serious person, you only want to hear the news. And frankly, that is exactly what the audience was telling us. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you talked uh, about uh, rebels with purpose. We uh, we be amiss not to mention Stan Katz if you know if you in the same sense as the word rebel because he was back in the day but I mean he, he said something back in the day which I think resonates with me uh, even now he said you know that um, only five percent of our listeners actually call in the other 95 percent have got lives and I think it's that balance between recognizing that half the people are who are calling in are not actually wanting to contribute to the narrative. They're just wanting to unpack their lives on radio. How do, how do you balance that out where, you know, you've got to, I mean, with all due respect, and I'm not being station specific, it seems that between five and six in the morning, which is my people listening, every crazy person in the world is phoning in to complain about every single illness, bad date, poor meal the night before. Just, it's like misery hour. I am so depressed by the time I have breakfast at six. You know, it's just all over. How, how do you balance that? I mean, people want to talk, but how do you tell them they're talking and, and you know, the other people listening, it's not just all about you? It's an interesting balance. Um, and I think it's one that we're constantly grappling with. I mean, that state about only, you know, 2 to 5% of your audience um, calls into the station. I mean, it remains true to this day as it was when, when Stan Pets uh, said those words. And, and, and the point about it is, so when you're programming, you must take that into account. So one of the things we do, for instance, we've got, and all talk stations um, have this problem of regular callers, for instance, who are calling in, you know, making the same kind of comments and who are becoming predictable. And obviously it can be quite a tune-out factor for, you know, the rest of your audience who are listening. So you have to find ways of limiting the number of times these people are going through on air because it's just, um, you know, it's, it's not in the interest of the broader audience. But I think the, the, the big thing that we're grappling with is more the question around now that we have clarified what our positioning is, the call screening over time has to improve to reflect that. And that's an ongoing project. So part of what happens, for instance, sometimes, Gordon, is that, you know, at night, you obviously have fewer callers. Um, you don't have as many calls as you have during the day. So sometimes, you know, the pressure on the producers is you just put the 
first call that comes through. And the constant work we do with them is to say, actually, that's not what we do. You'd rather not put a call, but put the really, really, really good call that you got, as opposed to putting 10, you know, horrible calls that don't add value to the call. Another problem we have, for instance, with calls is around the quality of the actual phone lines, which is something we're noticing is becoming worse, has become worse over the years. And that's also another tune-out factor. That's also something that we're working hard on just to make sure we're getting lots more calls um, you know, on clearer lines. The other interesting thing is just the use of things like voice notes and how that's helped us in terms of texturing the content. And suddenly we're no longer taking live calls all the time, but you're able to just throw in a voice call as and when you need it. But that the broader point is that there actually are no simple answers. We have to just get better at finding calls that are a lot more aligned to the new positioning that we've set aside. And I mean, you, you know, obviously the big focus, for instance, is on the breakfast show because that's the biggest show in the station. If that show comes right, then, you know, this thing rolls itself out a lot easier across the station. But I think we are just working through the shows to make sure that most shows start to reflect that new positioning. So even the features I was referring to, for instance, John Pellman has some interesting features on his show, um, which are also about reflecting the, the period we're in, which is the corona period, and just looking for people who, for instance, were not able to celebrate graduations or, or weddings or whatever. How do we make sure that those people are still able to honor whatever big milestones they would have, um, they would have, they would have celebrated during this time? So like I say, I think the big thing is just most of this is ongoing work and just constantly making sure the team stay on this new positioning and strategy. Yeah, and uh, just coming back to something you, you talked about you know, uh, in 2016 already, you uh, in terms of trends, media on demand or listening on demand, and you alluded to the growing importance of uh, podcasts. So if you're talking about you know, different listening experiences, how central is um, listening on demand or podcast to, to the offering? Because then you can control the, the content to a degree. I suppose it's a fine line between controlling the, con- the content on a positive side and, and you know, ending up being a Mark Zuckerberg who just kind of tells you only what he wants you to hear. Absolutely. And I think the big thing is you have to make sure that whatever content we're putting out there, um, podcast or whatever, first of all, is um, does not is aligned with our strategy and our positioning and our brand and purpose. So one of the big things that we're careful about is you don't want your, you know, whatever you're putting on podcasts to be completely out of step with what's happening on the radio, if you know what I'm saying. So it must still reflect the same kind of values um, as, as the stuff that's happening on air. That's quite an important thing because you know, the, the, the digital staff is an extension of, of what we do on air. So that would be the one thing. But I think also what we've noticed in terms of um, our digital stats, that the podcast is really well. Um, and it's obviously mostly um, the, the content that we put out on air and obviously it gets repurposed um, for on-demand later. So it's done really well. I mean, Bruce in this area does really, really, really well. Um, Bongani, Clement is also just growing and a couple of months has been in that position. So we were learning a couple of things just about what kind of content works in that space. Then we also um, traditionally have used the podcast, for instance, to experiment with clients where a client has an amazing concept that maybe, you know, is not completely suitable for on air. We're able to use that to say, actually, we can create an amazing podcast series that we promote on air, um, but actually remains a podcast property. So we did an amazing thing, for instance, with R&B called Solutions Thinking about a year and a half or so ago. We did, I think, um, two or three campaigns around that. And it was an amazing podcast. It did really, really, really well. 
well. So there's a lot of kind of experimenting we're doing in the space, but we also know, um, you know, it's important to grow the podcast because it also means we remain connected to the audience and our audience is consuming our content beyond just the on-air moments. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think, you know, just to clients out there, just changing tack for, for a second, you're talking about, you know, uh, a richer, a diverse, a light and a shade offer to clients. I mean, I'd urge, you know, I guess your media salespeople are busy uh, if they haven't already got, got all their media packs out there to clients. But I'd also urge, you know, uh, media buyers and clients themselves to look at it uh, and, and look at that whole richer offer of, uh, you know, as you say, a 40-year-old station that's reinventing themselves. And I mean, just one of the closing points I want to make uh, before I hand over to Gordon to close out. I mean, one of the things that wasn't, you know, became obvious to me is that it's a subtle change in 702 Talk Radio to 702 Let's Walk the Talk. But from what I'm listening, the, the, although the wording may be subtle, the changes are monumental uh, going forward. So again, just well done to to you uh, and the team, Tabasili, and I, and I wish you guys only the best going forward. Yeah, Thank just, you so much, Doug. Thank you so much for those kind words, hey? And just, uh, you know, coming back to uh, the sales component of it, uh, Tabasili, you guys did a fantastic webinar with the Abstract Club a week or two ago, which really unpacked a lot of the detail around our discussion this morning. I know I can get your repositioning video on YouTube, but that webinar, was it recorded? Is there any way that someone within the media industry who would like to get that detail unpacked? Is that available somewhere on, yes. online? Um, yes, I'm sure, I'm sure it's available. Um, you were on the one on the 12th or something. Something like it for the abstract club. So just to, sure. you know, um, presumably that'll be housed somewhere on, on the 702 website. Um, so I don't think we'll put that stuff on the website necessarily, but we can make, uh, we can certainly make sure that you get the I think so. It's really worth it. I would encourage anybody who, who would like to see the detail behind that um, you know, to get in touch with uh, your sales exec at 702. It'll give you a lot of the detail. One final question before I wrap, and it's the question I posed when we, we had that abstract club webinar. Um, what, what is the role of, of talk radio now in a world of instant gratification where I can have a conversation instantaneously with Donald Trump if I so desire, and I certainly don't. But I mean, with Twitter and Instagram, I can instantly comment on the world and, and its events and share my wisdom with billions of people across the planet. Why would I bother waiting you know, to talk on a radio station? So I think what, what hasn't changed, um, and it doesn't matter which station it is, but I think for most of us the talk form, in the talk format is that sense of um, authenticity. And, and I mean, I think I can say this with, with a lot of pride in terms of 702 specifically so that sense of we're still authentic we when you when when you when you're listening to bongani share whatever detail around him himself and parenting and so on you're having a conversation with another human being so that's the one thing and it's also about that that you know we're, we're personality driven format so when you're tuning into the station you're tuning in to hear what clement has to say about something um, and I think that remains a big, big, big draw card. I think the thing about social media is obviously there's a sense of intimacy that you lose in writing texts and so on. But I think, you know, my my own view is there's nothing um, bigger than just that human connection, that sense of you're talking to another human being. Um, you're, you're having a real conversation in real time in, in most instances. It's not a bot behind um, some social media platform. I think we're still, we're still ahead from that point of view. Yep, 
can't fault that uh, as a perception, as a closing statement. Tavasilio, thank you so much for, for giving us the time this morning. And also on behalf of Stan Katz, let me just apologize to the millions of people in Gauteng for whom listening to Land of Hope and Glory uh, may no longer ever be a classical experience. It's that theme tune forever linked to 702. Um, but Tabasili, thank you so much. Congratulations uh, on the, uh, the kind of new energy, which I think is discernible to anybody um, who is you know, retrialing the dial. And I'm one of the retrial the dial guys. I, I switched off, but I'm slowly putting the ear back to, uh, to the dial. So thank you for that. Tabasili, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity, guys. And I hope the listening experience improves for you. Yeah, indeed. I mean, uh, it's just a pity you can't see Doug in his, his outfit today because we have got some interesting guests coming in and he has completely spruced up. He's done his hair. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I see fortune. That's why we're that's why we're on radio. <laughs> Take care to all our listeners. I'm going to stop talking. Now. Talk to you guys Cheers, later. everyone. Cheers. Ciao. Bye. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Bye. Bye now. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Matanz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond and hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.